I, uh, I had a direction I was going to go a couple weeks back as uh, Brother Ursh and Brother Myers contacted uh, me as well when asking us to come speak and was talking about the, wanted us to talk about the importance of legacy, focusing on legacy, and I will touch on that, but I cannot add to or take away from what my pastor, my father just delivered. So I will do my best to get some legacy in there, but with the current events that is taking place in our world, I've been shaken to my core at just how little time we have left before the Lord descends for his bride. I felt it this past week at our home church. I preached it at church, and I can't help what I feel here this evening. So if you allow me to tonight under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to invite you to the battlefield because warriors are needed. Ephesians 6 and 12, we should all be able to quote it. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen for you. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a war, folks, and God needs some warriors. You can be seated. Over the weekend, and forgive me if I'm a little emotional tonight that, that as dad was sharing his legacy, that happens to be mine as well, so I'm still trying to get myself back together. Got snot running out my nose. And... But we saw America's greatest ally infiltrated and attacked by Hamas, a terrorist organization that operates out of Gaza. They are well-funded by and have the support of Iran, who our country just delivered $6 billion to. I heard today that they are in the process of trying to put a hold on that money. I sure hope to God that our leaders in this country are smart enough to freeze that money. And I mean not to get political, it just seems like common sense. There were unwarranted attacks on Saturday in the days that followed that have now killed over 1,200 Israelis, and that death toll is almost surely to climb. 27 Americans included in that. Over 100 hostages have been taken, and those actions will now no doubt set off a chain of events where civilians on both sides will be brought into a conflict and put into harm's way. My wife and I have personal friends in Alexandria who are from Palestine. Their families are there, and I pray for their families that they are safe during this time and season. A warning has been issued to all Palestinian civilians that live in Gaza to vacate because Israel is about to turn to rubble all known Hamas hiding places. After this attack Saturday, Prime Minister Netanyahu declared, we are at war. Israel's government the very next day on Sunday formally declared, we are at war. Prime Minister Netanyahu has called up 350,000 reservists because warriors are needed. Look at what is going on across our globe. All of Europe is on the edge with the Russia-Ukraine conflict. China is a threat to invade Taiwan at any moment. 
When you look at the list of ongoing conflicts that's taking place in the world, and there are many, you look at the continent of Africa, the, almost the entire continent of Africa is at war. Our southern border is a disaster and is a major part of the Mexican drug war that is still ongoing. The Bible makes it very clear. When you begin to see these things, that the end time is here. Wars, rumors of wars. Forgive me for the lengthy reading, Luke 21, 7 through 28. Jesus answering his disciples, Master, when shall these things be? What sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. There's going to be a whole lot of people going around saying, I'm God. The time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, the Lord is soon to come. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights. Great signs shall there be from heaven. Pestilences, famine, things going wrong in nature. California and New York this past summer saw record flooding. Louisiana's begging for an inch of rain when we're one of the most moist states in the union. But before all these things, they shall lay their hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. If you don't think our religious liberties are being threatened, not just overseas, but right here in America, then you are being naive. It shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. You'll be betrayed by your parents, your brethren, your kinfolk, your friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death. You'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair on your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judah flee to the mountains. Let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in countries enter in thereunto, for these be the days of vengeance, that all these things which are written shall be, may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Woe unto them that are with child and give suck. All we keep hearing about is mothers and children that have had their heads cut off, tortured, and killed. They shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The whole world, ladies and gentlemen, is setting up to turn on Jerusalem. 
And there shall be signs in the sun and the moon, the stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the seas, the waves warring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking for those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. These scriptures are taking place all over the world. We are sheltered from a lot of this in the United States of America. But these scriptures are being fulfilled all around the world. And the very next verse doesn't say when these things are fulfilled. It says when these things begin to come to pass. Look up. Lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, elders of the church, we are very close to the coming of the Lord. It's palpable. You can sense it. You can feel it. Too many prophecies are lining up. We have reached a point in our world where we have to be approaching the days of Noah. How could it have been any worse? We have to be approaching the sickness and the evil that was seen in Sodom and Gomorrah. We are at the end. You can feel it and sense it and see it. And if we can feel it, if we can sense it, if we can see it, if we see the signs thereof, then you better believe our adversary does as well. And because we are so close to the end, Satan is on the prowl trying to take as many people as he can with him to the pit of hell to which he will be cast. I want everyone under the sound of my voice to know we are living in the end time. We are on the precipice of the return of the king. I believe that with all that is within me. I believe this is the rapture generation. Satan can't stand that the, there will be people who will be saved. So he is going to come after the church of the living God. He knows that the gates of hell cannot prevail a church against the church. But he sure would love for the bride of Christ. He would love for it to be demoralized. The bride that Jesus comes back for, he would love for it to be weakened. He would love for it to be a bride that is not all it should be. So Satan has to be telling himself, I maybe cannot win the war, but I can have a moral victory here at the end. If I could just get this last generation, if I could just find a way to make it to where they never amount to what God intended them to be, maybe I can destroy that young man Maybe I can destroy that young woman's ministry. Maybe I can take down that pastor. He's being a little too effective in the kingdom of God right now. I, I can't destroy the whole church, but I maybe can get one or two here or there. Maybe I can destroy that family that is making such an impact in the church. 
this generation is so easily influenced. Maybe I can rise up influencers in the last day and I can steal away multitudes of people from these final generations. Maybe I can eliminate from the kingdom of God here at the very end. I can take away a precious few. He's after us. Our loved ones. Our friends. He's chasing us down with everything that is within him. And so I have come to declare this evening along with Prime Minister Netanyahu, we are at war. And warriors are needed. If Israel is at war in the natural, you better believe the church of the living God is at war in the spiritual. Israel and the church are connected. It's the Old Testament church. It's the New Testament church. We're bound together. We're joined together. And we are both at war. This generation of Israelis is being tried in the physical realm. And our generation is being tried in the spiritual realm. The one that we cannot see with our natural eye. There is a war that is raging for your soul and for mine. For your family's soul and for my family's soul. There's a war that is raging, trying to steal the effectiveness of my generation, which in turn could tarnish the legacy of the apostolic church. I'm sounding an alarm to my generation tonight. We are seeing things like we have never seen before in our country, in our world. Wokeism and influencers. Science is God movement. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Deception is running rampant. The onslaught that we receive almost daily telling us that we have to sit by and condone everyone's lifestyle, no matter how repugnant it is to the Word of God. With homosexuality and transgenderism getting all the press, it's deception from the father of deception. I want this world system to know man is still man. Woman is still woman. Don't try to convince me any different. Don't try to teach my little three-year-old daughter at school anything different. It's deception. Deceived and being deceived. We're at war. You don't get to change who you are biologically. It's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. It's deception. It's straight from the pits of hell. He's using that deception. He wants to deceive this generation whom I believe will see the coming of the Lord. He wants to deceive it. And instead of our media standing up for what is right, they too are deceived by ratings. They cram this ideology full of deception down our throats and then call us religious bigots if we don't jump on board. We are at war. Sin is running rampant. According to the National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics, 50% of people 12 and older have tried illicit drugs. There have been over 700,000 drug overdoses since the year 2000. 
$35 billion was the federal budget for drug control in 2020. He's attacking us any way that he can. How can I steal their soul? How can I deceive them? How can I get them hooked on a substance? How can I make them less effective? How can I plunge them into immorality? 138 million Americans, 12 and older, have drank, are drinking alcohol. 28.3 million of that 138, or roughly 20% of them, have an alcohol disorder. We are at war. Idolism, materialism, the love of money, hatred, envy, strife, jealousy, sex, pornography, impurity, seemingly at levels higher than ever. The shift towards one world governments is being enacted. The richest people in our nation hate the very country that made them rich. They want to tear down our borders, give away our sovereignty. The dollar is losing its power. We're headed towards a one-world currency. If I was to guess, crypto is probably where it's headed. The brightest of men predict that artificial intelligence will take over the world. Is that the Antichrist? I don't know. But what I do know is it's all adding up. It's all shaping up. It's the end. And we're at war. There's churches in America right now that condone these illicit acts I've been talking about. There are churches that are being pastored by men who are openly married to one another. Some of the most prominent churches in America are putting on conferences affirming these abominable acts, as God calls it. It's all pointing to a one-world church where everybody can worship whoever they want, how they want, do what they want to do, and take the principles of this book and just throw it out the window. We are at war. My afternoons when I was a young man... After school, I would go to the church and I'd walk in GA's office and it was filled with the voice of a man by the name of Paul Harvey. I'm looking at a section of people over here who couldn't live without him. I'm looking at a section of people over here who have no clue who that man is. I'll never forget going in with Papa and listening to that man give speeches and then he'd end, he'd end his radio broadcast every time with Paul Harvey. Good day. Paul Harvey in 1965 predicted what was to come in his radio broadcast, If I Were the Devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the speaking of the United States. So I'd set out about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, just do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. Then I'd get real organized. I'd educate the authors on how to make lurid literature exciting. 
so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with the promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotion. Just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion, and I would deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I'd killed the incentive for the ambitious. And what do you bet I could get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich? I would caution against extremes in hard work in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned and swinging is more fun, that what you see on the TV is the way to be. And thus, I could undress you in public. I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey, good day. How on point was that from something 58 years ago? That's where we are. At war. The enemy is making his final push. It's like Hitler and Nazi Germany making their last push at the Battle of the Bulls. They know the war is over, but we're going to try one last offensive. That's where Satan is. He knows the war is over. He knows the Lord is soon to come. All the signs are lining up. And he's making his one last offensive for the souls of man. He's making one last push for your ministry. He's making one last push for our churches and our families. You think just because scripture says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that he's at least not going to try? He wasn't scared to go after God Almighty robed in flesh. What makes you think he's scared of little old me? He wants us, wants to destroy us. He wants to take my ministry and destroy it. He wants my kids. He wants my marriage. We are at war, and warriors are needed. So what must we do? We must stand and fight. We must stand and fight. We are at war. Our God is a warrior. We don't serve a weak God who's scared of a little tussle. Exodus 15 and 3 is part of the song of Moses and Miriam 
after God has just granted Israel victory over Pharaoh and Egypt. 15 and 3 says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Newer translations say the Lord is a warrior. He's a fighter and he's never lost a battle. So what does scripture encourage me to do in these last days? As we are fighting for our souls, fighting for our families and our ministries, our churches, our organization, this generation. Ephesians 6 tells us, beginning in verse 10 and 18, and I know it's been preached 10 ways from Sunday. There's been whole months of series put together on Ephesians 6, and you've heard every word taught on, but we're going to teach it again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Remember, the Lord is a warrior. Be strong in his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in this evil day and having done all to stand. You want to stand in this evil day? You want to be victorious in this evil day? It takes the whole armor of God. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. You better be covered up in the truth. Your loins better be guarded and covered with truth. You better have truth all over you. But what is truth? I'll tell you what truth is. Here's truth. This word is true. Tells us how to be saved. Tells us how to live righteously and different and separate. It tells us to repent of our sins. Tells us to get baptized in his name, the only saving name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidence and speaking in other tongues. That is truth. That is truth. I don't care what else you may hear. I don't care what any other preacher may say. I don't care what uh, name of the organization is on front of the church. If anybody says anything different than the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not true. That's not going to cover you in these last days. That's not going to cover up your loins. Anything besides the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's truth. The Lord teaches us how we should live in his gospels. The apostle Paul writes to us and talks to us about righteous living, presenting, my, presenting myself, my body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is just my reasonable service. That is still true. Being holy and acceptable, different and separate. It's how we fight in this evil day. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We're called to live and walk in peace. Not in the peace that the world gives, but peace that comes from the one who overcame the world. Peace that comes from reading this book. Peace that comes from daily communion with him. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
must have faith. Must be full of faith in this battle against our adversary. It's the shield that will protect us in this fight that we are in, this war that we are in. Faith, 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 faith that God is with me. Faith that God will supply my every need. Faith that God will give me wisdom and words out of my mouth to be able to speak during this day, to be able to communicate with a world that is so confused. Faith that God will be with me. Faith that God will see us through. Faith that I will see my revival in my community. Faith that I will be saved. Faith that my family will be saved. Faith that POA will have revival. Faith that Eastwind will have revival. Faith that your church will have revival. Faith that your city will see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Faith, faith, it's the shield that will protect me when there's voices all around, when there's influencers all around, when there's media all around. Faith is what will protect me. Remember, without it, it's impossible to please God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I love the helmet of salvation. Salvation, when I repented of my sins, when I was baptized in His name, when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I had the blood applied to my life. The blood of Jesus Christ is all over me. So I can take that helmet of salvation. I can put it over my head and say, I plead the blood over my mind. Let the blood of Jesus Christ protect my mind. That's where the battle's being fought right now. That's where the enemy's trying to destroy us right now. Deception's running wild. He's after what's between our ears. How can I get their mind? How can I get them questioning things? How can I get them confused on things? I want their mind. That's how I'm going to steal them and destroy them and kill them. If I can just get to their mind, well, I put the helmet of salvation on. And when I got saved, the blood of Jesus Christ washed over me. The blood is guarding my mind. I plead the blood over my mind. I plead the blood over my family. I plead the blood over my home. I plead the blood over my ministry. Plead the blood. I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I take this Word. This is my battle weapon. For our weapons, they aren't carnal. They're not natural. They're not of this world. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. This is my weapon. This is my word. The natural world can't replace this. The devil tempted Jesus, as I already mentioned, and Jesus didn't cower down. He went on the attack, and he went on the attack not with his supernatural ability. He went on the attack with the word of God. Praying always. With prayer, all supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying always. Is there anybody in the room that's fulfilling that right now? I'm not. I'm not. Not always. I've got a lot of stuff going on during the day. 
Praying always. It's a blueprint for defeating Satan. We must enact these battle plans in our life because we are at war and warriors are needed. We must get suited up and ready for battle. There's no more sitting on the sidelines. There's no more blaming it on my age or my race or my gender or my social standing or my last name. It's time to fight. This world's not holding back and neither will I. Let's prepare for battle. Let's go to war. Warriors are needed. There are men and women in our apostolic ranks who have fought the good fight of faith, but their time is ending. They are waxing faint. They are ready to turn their legacy over to a group of younger men and women and say, take your turn. The latter shall be greater than the former. Greater works than these you shall do. Take up the mantle and fight. Take up the anointing and fight. Let's get ready for war. Suit up. Put on the spiritual armor of God. It's battle time. Suit up. Not with the things of this world. Remember Saul's armor didn't fit David. Only God's armor fit David. We are going to win this fight with anything from the natural world. It is not by might nor by power, but it is by his spirit, saith the Lord. We need to tell our Goliath, this old serpent Satan who is seeking to drag all of us to hell with him. I come in the name of the Lord and in the power of his might. And he has never lost a battle. We are supported in this fight by our Lord who is a warrior, never been defeated. We must be alert. We must be ready to fight our adversary. He knows there's not much time left. The rapture of the church is nine. He knows it. It's all lining up. The chaos, the sin, the immorality, the wars, the pestilences, the attention of the world on Jerusalem. We are near the end. Don't get caught off guard. Don't get caught sleeping on guard duty. Don't get complacent this, don't get complacent now. Don't say I can get it right tomorrow. Don't say I can put my spiritual armor on tomorrow. Don't say I can start my ministry tomorrow. Don't say I can plant that church tomorrow. Don't say I can join the missions field tomorrow. Don't say I can fight like my elders who fought before me and dug out this apostolic movement that I'm reaping from. Don't say I'll fight like them tomorrow. No, no, no. We're at the end. There's a battle that is raging. We're at war and warriors are needed. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion. And he's walking about seeking 
whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We are at war. Defy the enemy. Flee from him. Be sober. Be vigilant. He wants to steal away this last generation with one more offensive push from hell. I beg you, young people, old people alike, elders, don't give in. Don't quit. Don't turn to the dark side in this late hour. God still needs you. God desires to use you. Warriors are needed. That fact we cannot escape. There is no, well, I'm going to sit this one out. The only question I have for myself and all of us here tonight, have I stepped up and been the warrior God has called me to be during these last days? The Lord is soon to come. Am I being strong in the Lord and the power of his might or am I being a pushover and am I giving in to this world system that is seeking to destroy? Am I ready? Is my family ready? Do I have my helmet of salvation on? Do I have my shield of faith? Do I have my breastplate of righteousness? Do I have truth covering me and my family? Am I using the word of God, my sword to my benefit? If we will stand firm and strong in the Lord and the power of his might, then I promise you he will grant us victory over the enemy that is seeking to destroy us. And when the trump does sound, we will be taken out of here. And we won't be taken out as some weak bride, some weak church. But I believe our generation is going to help give God the bride that he is seeking, the bride that he is longing to come back for. I'm coming to a close. If you want to come to the music, how can we be so sure that we can defeat these foes in this last day, Jim? How can I be so sure? Bishop touched on it already. It feels as though that we are living through the prophetic word of Isaiah 60 and 2. A, dark, a darkness would cover the earth and a gross darkness its people. Evil and darkness is everywhere doing all it can to manipulate things and to change things, change our beliefs, change our way of thinking, change our Judeo-Christian principles that the West was built on, change the institution of the family, change what you are biologically born as, how the darkness is attacking our kids is sickening. It's a gross darkness. Darkness is alive and well and strong. Are you sure we are capable of taking on this gross darkness that is fighting us at every turn. How can we be successful against this type of sickness and evil? It's only natural for us to ask those questions. We're all human. Our human mind begins to say, how am I going to combat all of this change? How do I combat society and the evil agenda that is being pushed through our news cycles daily, through our social media? How am I supposed to thrive in the midst of all of this evil when it feels as though I have so little influence I'm competing against athletes and rock stars and pop stars who have evil agendas and they are spreading it to millions when I'm having trouble influencing just one. How am I supposed to have an effective ministry? How am I going to have success? Is there something I should be doing different? Is there something I'm doing wrong? Am I not adept enough to reach this ever-changing world? Paul warns us of this day. Bishop in his writing to the second letter to Timothy in chapter 3 and 13 as you read that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived Timothy things are going to get worse and worse you think you have it bad just wait till you see what's to come in just a couple thousand years 
There will be those deceiving and those being deceived. Wicked influencers deceiving the world. There will be those using deception, trying to destroy the family, using deception, trying to destroy gender, using deception, trying to disprove that this book is the infallible God-breathed word. There's deception that's coming, Timothy. But what you do in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the change, in the midst of all the deception, you continue thou in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Timothy, you don't have to change anything, son. You don't have to manipulate the message. You don't need more talent. You don't need more gifting. You don't need more money. You've got all you need. You don't need to influence a million. Just take what you've got and influence what you can. Just look back on all those that have come before you, Timothy. Look back on all those that have walked this road already and taught you everything you know. You're not the first generation gentry that has ever faced a gross darkness. You're not the first young person. You're not the first pastor. You're not the first teacher, leader, or evangelist that has seen a sick, dark world. From the beginning of time, Timothy, it has been proven that God has stood by and fought for his people. It was proven through Job. He said, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. It was proven through David, who said, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I can look back on the disciples who were helping found the very first church during a time of imperialism and paganism when the whole world was against them and the Spirit of God was ever with them as they carried this gospel to the whole known world. I can look back on the dark ages and the reformations. I can look back on the great awakenings. I can look back on our apostolic movement that has begun in the first part of the 20th century. The Topeka revival, the Azusa Street revival, all the dark times. But the Spirit of God was still moving. The world's always been dark. Sin has always abounded. And look back on my grandfather G.A. as he was trying to build a church in Alexandria and darkness reared its head at every turn. They weren't accepted at that time. Leaders in the city said that they belonged in mental institutions. They had tent revivals where eggs were thrown. But it didn't stop the moving of God's spirit. I look back on my dad as he pastored POA through a rise of darkness and evil, an ever-changing world. He pastored through the rise of the internet and social media, and though evil abounded, I never saw him forsaken. I saw him tired, I saw him weary, but I also saw as he kept pushing and continued in the faith. I looked on and witnessed that God never deserted him or his church. I look back now, and I say if he did it for those generations, if he did it for my legacy that came before me, the ones that I've learned from, if he anointed them, if he led them, if the Spirit moved for them, if they were given victory after victory after victory, then I believe he's going to do it for me. I believe he's going to do it for our generation. Even in these darkest of times, God is going to move. God is going to strengthen. His grace and His mercy will still be new every morning. As our days are, our strength will still be. 
he still will prove that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He still will prove that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the war. He still will prove that no weapon formed against us will ever prosper. He still will prove that where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. How can you be so sure we'll be victorious in this last day where the devil's trying so hard? How can I be so sure? It's our legacy. We've never been defeated because our God's never been defeated. Our legacy is that our God has never lost the battle. My legacy is that Jesus Christ will be victorious from now until eternity. Our fights have never been won by some great last name. Our fight has never been won by the most talented. Our battles have been won by the Lord and the strength of his might. So put on the whole armor of God. Suit up, young man. Suit up, young lady. Warriors are needed. Here's your promise. I return to Isaiah 60 and 2. A darkness shall cover the earth, and a gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The Lord's going to arise upon you. And there's not going to be a battle. There's not going to be a devil or a demon in hell that's going to be able to win the victory over you. The Lord will arise upon you. And when the Lord arises upon you, so will the power of his might, the strength of his might. And he's never been defeated. We are at war. Warriors are needed. I'll close with this. 2 Kings 18. The world system is coming against Judah. Sennacherib of Assyria has already proved that he can take Samaria. He can take Israel. And now he wants the prize of them all, Judah. He begins to take some fortified towns and sends an ambassador, if you will, to have a conversation with Hezekiah and his men. And he says, I'm coming for you. There's no, I'll paraphrase. You can go read it yourself. He said, I'm coming for you and there's nothing you can do to stop it. I'm the most powerful entity in the world. Go check with the other nations that said their God was going to spare them and see what happened. I'm coming after you with all of my might. You know what Hezekiah does? He begins to try to make a few bargains. Well, can I pay you off? that doesn't work, maybe I can enlist the help of Egypt. Sennacherib answers back, none of those things will work. In fact, your God is working through me to destroy you. I'm, I'm a vessel of the Lord that's about to take down the church. Talk about deception. I'm coming after you. Judah is mine. Sends a letter. Hezekiah scared to death, a great man. In fact, Scripture says that there was no king before him or after him like him. 
That includes David. Brought worship back to Jerusalem. Tore down the high places. A man who was doing his best to live righteously. But he's scared to death because the world system was coming after him. And said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to tear down your country. He takes that letter he places it before the Lord and says, I've tried everything I know to try. The last thing I know to do is to put it in your hands and the power of your might. That's all I know to do because this world system wants to destroy me. The prophet Isaiah brings the word of the Lord to Hezekiah, promises him victory, grants him victory. You can read about it in 2 Kings 19 in the 20s and the 30s. And then you get to verse 34. And God says, I'm going to grant you victory. I'm going to give Jerusalem victory for my sake and for my servant David's sake. I'm going to give you victory because there's a legacy. There's a promise that I made to King David. That someday, not in the too distant future, that there is going to be born in the city of David a child that's going to take away the sins of the world. There's a promise that I made to your legacy. And I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you victory. And let me tell you something. That legacy is our legacy too. For my servant David's sake, for those that have come before you, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fail. There is still promises I'm going to meet. I still have to come back for my bride. I still have to promise. I still have promises to fulfill that I'm going to sit on that very throne. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming back to sit on the throne of David. So for my servant, David's sake, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to be fighting with you every step of the way because you're my bride. You're my legacy. You're my church. If you want to join the battle, if you want to say I'm a warrior, throw your hands in the air. Let a battle cry go out. I'm getting suited up. I'm going to war. I'm going to battle. This world system's not going to take me down. It's not going to steal my ministry. It's not going to destroy my family. The world's depending on us. Your friends are depending on you. Your family's depending 